In my ongoing series of talking to interesting estate agents, I'm joined today by Ian Storey, very well known in the industry, running an estate agency in Cheshire at the upper quartile end of property. Ian is very well known for his videos and his social media, along with his wife Alex and their team run a successful estate agency. But it's not all been plain sailing, so I'm here today to talk to Ian, to talk about his journey of estate agency, what he's learnt, where he's gone wrong, what he's done right, and what he's learned from that. Welcome today for joining us, Ian. Hi, Chris. Thank you very much for coming along. Right. And I always like to start my stories by going back to when you were a child. So when you were a youngster, because you were born in the early 80s, uh, a son of Thatcher, as they would say. I am, yes. I am indeed. Um, did you want to be an estate agent when you were growing up? Uh, I don't think I knew what an estate agent was okay. when I was growing up. Do you have a happy childhood? Very, yeah. One of three boys, eldest of three boys. Okay. Parents both teachers, so I went to the school when my dad taught. Uh, yeah, very happy childhood. Primary school or secondary school? Both. Uh, he taught primary, so I went through the primary. It, it was primary and secondary, the same school. Okay. So I went all the way through that school, as did my brothers. Yeah, there, was, there was a time at which my mum taught there as well. Uh, but yeah, very happy childhood. You didn't Lots fancy go being a teacher yourself? No, I haven't got the patience. Okay. What did your father teach you as you were growing up? And then secondly, your mother? Uh, father, uh, confidence, just to get on with things, uh, to be polite and happy, nice to people. Okay. I suppose he was, I'm not very sporty. He's, they're all extremely sporty. So a bit of that has kind of rubbed off, uh, but very competitive environment growing up as well, which I think has carried me through. Okay. Uh, like your mum? Mum is a sort of, I don't want to use the word old fashioned, but she's, you know, stoical, don't, doesn't take any nonsense. And I've definitely got that side of me as well. Uh, and then the same hard work just to get on with things and not dwell too much. So when you were at school, at secondary school, had you any idea what you wanted to be? Yes, I wanted to be a landscape designer, landscape gardener. Why is that? Always loved it. Don't know why. My nana, my nana and my grandma had an influence on me. They both uh, had is that a your lot. your mum's or your dad's? Uh, grandma was from Derby, so not a million miles from here. That was my mum's mum, dad's mum, nana from Blackpool, where I grew up. Uh, both had, you know, greenhouses, allotments, all that, both like the garden. So I think that rubbed off on me as well. Always wanted to be a landscape gardener from probably 10, 11 uh, through to, to 16. So you left secondary school. Did you do your A-levels? No. Nope. So you went straight to college to do landscape gardening? I did. Did you enjoy it? I loved it, yeah. I did four years at Myersco College in Preston. Uh, I loved it, yeah. So we started with horticulture, did landscape design, landscape gardening, uh, all the practical side as well as the design. Really enjoyed it, yeah. Um, so do, whilst you were on the course, did you have any like, part-time jobs and things like that? Yeah, I did. So I always used to work in pubs. Really enjoyed working in pubs. I definitely encourage my kids to do the same. I think it gives you a really good you know, social skills and uh, understanding of how to deal with different sorts of people. You can pull a pint then, can you? I can pull a good pint. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> and, and what else did doing part-time work whilst you were at college teach you? Uh, well, to stand on your own two feet. I've, I've always worked since I was, probably when I started my first paper round. I don't know, how old are you then? 13? 
Well, I've always worked in some form all the way through to, to now. So how long was your course? Four years, basically. That's a long time for a college course. Yeah, well, it was a year first diploma and then a three-year national diploma. Okay. With a sandwich year in the middle of those three years working out in industry. And um, where did you work as a, in the sandwich? I worked for uh, Northwest Landscapes in Blackpool. So that was, I mean, looking back now in this cold weather, I remember how it was bloody freezing, you know, real proper graft digging in the middle of January outside. And you're not being paid for it? Not really being paid much. You were being paid, but it was very small amount, like an apprentice type wage. So I worked for Northwest Landscapes. Adrian Allen ran that. And then I worked for JW Landscapes in Ray Green, which is near Lytham. Is this, uh, again, part of your... You... Again, part of that, doing landscapes, garden maintenance, all that sort of thing. Uh, what did you enjoy about that, working in, having a proper job being out being out and about and not stuck in one place i really enjoyed and jonathan wildish who i work for at jw was a proper grafter and he came from nothing and he earned money and bought himself nice things like a, i remember he had a peugeot 205 gti car you know that he bought cash what uh, color was it <laughs> i don't know what color it was black maybe but yeah. but people like that you know i looked up to because they made it for themselves and grafted so at the end of the college course, what did you do then? So I left Myasco four years, so I was 20, uh, 20 years old. I went to university. Still doing? Still to do landscape architecture at Leeds. I didn't know they did such things. They do. So landscape architecture is like if they, are, if they do a big housing development, someone's got to plan all the, or if they're doing a new supermarket, someone's got to plan the landscaping around the car park and that sort of thing. So I did that. You were taking this quite seriously, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I think I went to university because that's what you do. Yeah. I think a lot of people go to university to did, do... Did you get pressure from your parents because they, uh, you know... They... No, I didn't get pressure from my parents. They just wanted me to do whatever made me happy. But I definitely went to the sort of school where you go to university at some point, And that's just the path you take. So I went to university in Leeds. Didn't last four months. Just, I'm not a studier, uh, and that was more of an in-depth study, whereas the landscaping was more practical-based, out and about. So you, you prefer the practicalities to, to the theory and the science? 100% prefer working to studying. So, so I was at Leeds for three or four months, then I changed degree course to do building surveying. Well, that's a bit technical, mate, wasn't it? Well, yeah. So you had that's even that. I mean, I'm a, I, I did general practice surveying, and we looked at the building surveyor guy and said, "Bloody hell, that's a bit hard work." Yeah. So I, again, I, I was still in this cycle of going to university okay. to, to be able to. You should have done general practice. It's, it's well, that's hindsight. Anyone can do that. I mean. <laughs> it's hard work building surveying. So I, it didn't. It basically, I started doing it. And I enjoyed it because I've always had a, an understanding and a love of the sort of built environment, whether it's landscapes or houses of, you know, that sort of world. But then again, it was studying and I just, I didn't last. So I stopped. Still in the first year? I started that degree course three times. Alex, my wife, takes the, it's a bit of a running joke that I've started four degree courses and haven't got a degree. <laughs> did you start them year after year? Yeah, consecutively. What did your, um, what did your, um, lecturers think of you well i managed to talk them into letting me restart so what did you do so you you gave up in the first year because because you did two courses in the first year i did leads quit not for me then i started in building surveying stopped decided to restart and i did that process in twice. Leeds again preston i came back to uclan university in preston 
lived at home, managed to get the tutors to, I taught them in to let me restart again. But then eventually realised that it wasn't for me. At the same time, doing a few pub jobs to pay your way. Yeah, working for Blackpool Council, doing parks and grounds maintenance as well. Were you disappointed in yourself that you tried four times to do a, a degree? Uh, yeah, I think I probably was at the time. But I'm very glad now that I'm not a building surveyor because of where we're sat today. But at the time I was, yeah. When did you see the light of property in estate agency? Well, so when I was doing my building surveying degree, I started working for a building surveying company in Blackpool. Right. Bentley Higgs. Really good guy called Jonathan Clayton who ran that. Uh, and I started working for him. And I didn't realise at the time, but he, he also had a company, a property investment company with another, with a, with a colleague, a friend. And they were buying up, this was sort of 2003, four, so they were mm -hmm. buying up, you know, as the market was on that way up. They were buying up three bed semis in Blackpool. I think they got to about 300 that they owned. Uh, and when I quit my degree course, I basically transitioned. So I carry on working for Jonathan, but in his property investment company. So I was doing, I then started doing lettings, management, portfolio management, you know, organising maintenance, all that sort of stuff. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I did enjoy that. Well, even the technicalities of property management and Section 8 versus Section well, I did. I did quite enjoy it, yeah, because it was new. It was a new thing for me at the time. And But didn't you get bored of it? Well, I did get bored of it, yeah. I did get bored of it, which is why I moved on to... Because well, you're not a letting agent, are you? Definitely not a letting agent, Chris. <laughs> As you know. Uh, so, so how did you transition into a state agency then? So I... Uh, was working for Jonathan Clayton's partner, was called Paul. I was working mainly under him because he sort of ran, ran the business. And I was a bit of a, I don't know, wild child. You know, I was sort of going out. Were you still at home? Still at home. Parents? Yeah. You hadn't met Alex at this point? No, no, I didn't meet Alex for a long time after that. So this was sort of early noughties. Yep. So I was going out a lot in my early 20s. So basically it was picking up the birds, going out, beer at the drinking window. beer a lot and getting in late for the job. So, you know, pulling sickies and just, I wasn't a particularly good employee at all at that point. So fortunately, Paul palmed me off onto his estate agent friend because he didn't want to fire me. So he found me a job working for his estate agent friend in Lytham. And what estate agency was that called? Lytham Estate Agents. Right. Dave Tinsley, David, I think he crucified me for calling him Dave. Dave Tins David Tinsley, uh, who ran and still does run Lytham Estate Agents, and they sell the majority of upper quartile properties in Lytham, still. Did you feel that you'd found your... Yeah. Your, your... I loved it. My what, vocation. What did you love in those early years at Lytham Estate the Agents? The hustle. I loved, I've always loved houses, nice houses, and... Immediately working for David, I was regularly going into lots of lovely, nice, you know, higher end properties, characterful properties, modern, all sorts of different stuff. And loved it. Loved the hustle, loved being out and about with David, going into all these different houses. I mean, this was 04, 05, so the market was doing really well at Yeah, the market time. was fantastic, yeah. 04, 05, 06, I was with him. Really loved it. But then two years later, in 2006, how old were you at that time? I was 25. You started your own estate agency. I did. With two years' worth of experience. I did. It's a bit early, isn't it? Well, I just thought, I'll do it. Give it a go. See what happens. Were you a bit cocky at that time? Yes. Confident? Yes. Thought nothing? 
I could do this with my eyes closed. Yeah, thought it was easy. Definitely thought it was easy. Saw, saw the success that David had had. And yeah, thought what it was... did David say to you when you handed your notice in saying, I'm going to stop my own well, agency? He, well, good luck. He was very polite about it. But I left, I started St. Anne's Estate Agency, St. Anne's Estates, as it was, with a lady who were also worked for David. So we both left to start up in a, in a town nearby. Why did she want to move estate agencies? She just wanted, the same reason as me, she wanted to do it for herself rather than someone else. So he lost two key members of staff yeah. at the same time. He did. And he was polite to you. He was polite, yeah. I'm sure he was nervous and pissed off as well, but he was polite to us, yeah. How did that start? So we, we opened a shop uh, in St. Anne's. We managed to find this shop unit and I, I borrowed some money off my dad. She, her, she put the equivalent amount of money in. I think it was 25 grand each. And we started it. So we had window cards. We had fancy desks. We had a smart card that was wrapped and, you know, all the usual stuff. But no knowledge of how to grow a business or how to prospect for new, for new business at all. So the firm was called St. Anne's Estates. What would you have done differently in the first year if you had your time again? Uh, I would have researched, well, before I started the company, I would have researched who my target market was and who I wanted to attract. We didn't do that. So you just find a unit, let's open a state open the door, let's go. So you'd have worked out which, quart which quartile or market you would have want. You just thought, yeah. I'll open the state agency, yeah. they'll come to you. Yeah. Jill, Jill was the lady I started it with. She was quite well connected locally. So we got good business from her connections initially as we were growing. That lack of market segmentation, how did it affect your business? Well, we were spray and pray. So we were, we'll sell anything we can possibly get our hands on. And we, we, were, we were good because I've always had this desire to provide good service. And to, even back then, you know, trying to style rooms to make sure the towels are straight and all those sorts of things. Uh, but it, it led us, to, we weren't really anywhere in the market. You know, we were just sort of trying to appeal to everybody. So we didn't get the higher end. We didn't really get any particular segment at all. It was just a, a spread. Starting a business with a work colleague is quite a challenge. They actually say that starting business with someone is actually uh, like getting into a marriage. What lessons did you learn from starting a business with a work colleague? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I learnt, well, I'm, if, you, if you put it this way, I'm now at the point that where I would never have a business partner ever again for my core business. I'd happily start other avenues, but not for my main business. Because someone once said to me once, someone who's been successful in business, that the only uh, partnership is the only ship that doesn't sail or something like that. But it can, it can go quite wrong quite quickly if you're not aligned. Do you she was quite a lot older than me, for example. Right. So I think we had different priorities. What would you say to someone? I know you say don't start with someone else. But let's just say whether it's finance or whatever reason, you have to start with a, a work colleague. What advice would you give to someone now to make it to make to write down to be crystal clear on what you're going to both contribute to the relationship whether that's time or money or <clears throat> resources i would be crystal clear as to how that's going to work from the start and to what each other can expect 
Did you not do that? Did you just no. say, come on, let's go? No. Well, we, we've, we'd always got on so well at our previous, at the employ where we worked, that I think we just thought we would still get on so well. But it, Did it change the relationship? From yeah, that? it changed the relationship considerably, yeah, because, well, for obvious reasons. Two years later, you guys parted company. Yeah, so okay. we did part company because, well, the business nearly failed, first of all. So that's going to create stress. Which creates stress, yeah, when the money runs out or is running out. I... And I had an opportunity to start another to start another business around, around that time, which I thought would be more successful than where, than where I was at St. Anne's. What opportunity was that? Uh, it was an opportunity to well, it was an opportunity to start another estate agents with another business partner in the same area, but slightly different postcode. But you just bring from the pan to the fire, right? Well, I was, but I was naive and young. And did you think it's not? Oh, I've had my fingers burnt or I, whatever. Well, I think I was just very naive. And, you know, not very mature in my decision-making. What was it like starting a new estate agency in what's quite frankly the global financial crash, which was not particularly good? Well, we'd started doing lettings uh, just before that point. So it was actually okay because we, we actually grew our lettings book really quickly. Okay. So that gave us income. Very, within six to 12 months, we had a very good income off the lettings. So you left St Anne's and you went with a new business partner with the new estate agency, which was called? County. Right, okay. Who, and talk to me about the relationship you had with the new director. So, so she came along. We, we'd also gone to school together, although we didn't really know that each other, each other that well at school. But we got on really very well from the start. Okay. We, we got on very well all the way through that business, really. Uh, she came along with some money. Yep. So that obviously, St. Anne was failing. Emma came along with some money, which propped us up and kept us going. And then we grew from there. Did you learn, did you learn by your mistakes from St. Anne's with the relationship you had with Emma? Yes, to a degree. We had a better working relationship. We were, we were a similar age, which, which helped. So a similar stage in our lives. What was her motivation of starting the state agency? Uh, independence, freedom, to do her own thing. Okay, so you... I think also the, the, the money's quite good. It's probably a motivation. So you had county between 2008 and 2013. And that's still going now, is county. Okay. You left county? So did she buy you out or something? She did eventually, yes. Prior to that, I'd started another estate agency. Why? Uh, because, well, I started not with Alex. Trump's estate agency. I know, I know, I know, I know. So I started it with Alex. Uh, who, who's your wife? Who is my wife, yeah. Was she, your, was she your partner, uh, life partner at that time? Uh, yes, 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 absolutely, yeah. How did you balance the books? Well, <laughs> initially it was fairly straightforward because I moved was a different geographical area to county. Still on the far coast, but non-competing areas completely. Uh, and I agreed, I agreed with Emma that I would work part-time in the estate agency and take an appropriate wage for that, uh, less than her, and started iMove. And I, I started iMove, just to get back to your question of why, because I thought at that point that the whole industry was going, would be cheap, low fees, 
fixed fees forever. Yes. So 2013, um, Purple Bricks was about to open its doors. It had just opened its doors, but it was 14 when it really got going. And I know everyone was a bit worried about. So you thought to yourself, you'd cover your bets by having both a the county brand, which is more traditional, and you'd go with the yes. cheapest chips. Yes. So that's what we did. So we started iMove in 2013, I think. <clears throat> and it, well, it went well at the start because all, all comes back to me and having this passion for good customer service and good marketing. So we did all that side of it. It was a shiny new brand. I started using Facebook a lot when no one was using Facebook. Uh, and we did lettings there as well. And that grew well. We had a great year, great 18 months. How was the relationship with Emma at County going whilst you were running this cheapest chips agency with your now wife? Uh, well, initially it went okay and then it, it went not okay. <laughs> Without delving too much into personal details, do you think in hindsight running two businesses with basically two different people was the right thing to do? No, it was the wrong thing to do. What I should have done looking back is exit County <clears throat> and start my own thing. That's what I should have done. Because you left County in 15, didn't you? I did. And you were still doing iMove. Uh, yes. How did you feel about working in a, a, a lower quartile brand, offering great service, but not necessarily great fees? Well, I, did, I knew no different at the time because I was firmly of the impression that that's the, whole, the way the whole industry was going. Okay. That you wouldn't be able to charge 2%, 1.5%, because there will be too many options for the general public to sell their house for 999 or whatever it was that we were charging. But surely it was grinding your gears that you were putting all this hard work in and not getting much anything back in return. It, it did. After a while, that did happen, yes. So... I was constantly trying to push the fees up, but we had, we had this fixed fee set up. So I was trying to increase those fixed fees, which I did to a degree. Uh, came on your video course. That's probably around that time, Chris, eight years ago, something like that. <clears throat> and then met Perry at that time and did Perry's, one of Perry's first, I think his first ever boot camp and started to charge more then. So at that point, I started charging 1.25% plus that. Through the iMove brand. Through iMove. And I managed it, me going out doing it. I managed it. But then when we had to bring in people to work for us, I think the correlation of cheap-looking brand and 1.25, which then 1.25 was... If you get 1.25 in Blackpool, you were doing extremely well. And trying to, uh, a member of, of the team trying to, trying to line up cheap brand at 1.25 didn't work. Which is fair enough. Just come back to Alex. Um, how did you guys meet and why did she want to become an estate agent? <laughs> I'm not sure if she did. Uh, we met in Manchester in 2011. May 2011. Double date friends sort of joined us together and we lived in Manchester I lived in Manchester at that point so I was commuting back to the Far Coast uh, and we then got together moved in together decided to move back to the Far Coast or I did because I had a business there mm -hmm. Alex was a solicitor uh, so she used to work from home a bit and then get the train to Manchester 
And then we got married and had Martha. And she joined you with iMove? She did, because it really worked well for us, because we can, you know, like a lot of husband and wife teams, you have flexibility for childcare. Why did you then decide to move to Cheshire? So iMove, uh, we, we had a brilliant 18 months at iMove. I think it was 2018, 2019, or 2017, 2018. We had a really good 18 months of revenue. <clears throat> but that was mainly when it was just me and Alex and, and Britt, Brittany, who used to work for us, who was very good. Uh, and then we, it was really my decision to move to Cheshire. It wasn't Alex's. A lot of people assume it's Al because that's where she's from. But it was she, me who wanted to move. Does she still have her parents there then? She does. Her parents, her mum and stepdad, yeah, live there. I, again, I, I see it all the time. You tend to move the family, especially with childcare. It, it works a lot easier if you can move nearer the, 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 the wife's parents. I see it all the time. And I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think it's great, you know, and it, it helps is, the kids. But it isn't just that, because we actually moved away from my parents by doing, by moving to Cheshire, we moved away from my parents, oh. who are amazing at childcare. <laughs> so we actually moved away from that. But then the, the relationship, and I'm making sweeping statements here, but the relationships that daughters have with their parents is a different relationship that sons have with their... It is, and both of Alex's sisters live near us too. So it was great. Her whole, her whole family are there in Cheshire, basically. I bet your mum and dad were a bit disappointed, weren't they? Yeah, they were, yeah. But my, my brother, well, both my brothers now live abroad. My, my, my younger brother, Neil, then lived and still does live in Valencia in Spain. My parents were both retired teachers, so they were going to Spain quite a lot to see him. So they were away for quite a bit anyway. Okay. Uh, and we're only 60 miles down the road from Blackpool. So we moved to Cheshire because I wanted to move. And obviously... I, it, it didn't escape me that the, ha the housing stock around there is much nicer than, than where and I came North from. Beach. It's where all the footballers live, isn't it? Well, no, the footballers are further over towards Macclesfield, Willemslow, Alderley Edge. We are mid-Cheshire, so we're right in the middle. We're sort of south of Warrington. Yes. So we, we live in a little village near Northwich, but the villages around Northwich are lovely. Very nice housing stock. You started a brand new estate agency. Brand new. So did you sell iMove then? Well, yeah, we actually sold. <clears throat> so iMove had sales and lettings. The lettings, they were two different limited companies. The sale, the lettings company I sold to a mate of mine who still runs it now very successfully. He bought it completely, bought the book and runs it now. And he's since bought up other letting agencies. He's still going as iMove in Poulton Files, which is near Blackpool. It's uh, a posh bit, isn't it? Posh bit. And... The sales side, we uh, got screwed over on, really, Chris, because we, we passed it on to a company who was supposed to pay us a percentage per sale when they sold, and they folded, and so we got nothing from the sales side at all. But we got a reasonable amount for the lettings. So you started a brand-new estate agency called, <laughs> no shit, Story Estates. <laughs> Is it story states? It's stories. Stories. Now. It was stories of states. It was, yeah. It? Okay, what's the word, eh? Okay. <laughs> um, from what you'd learnt in the past opening up two estate agents, what did you do differently this time? So, okay, so I started story, stories of states as it was. Basically, the way it started was I, we were asked, so Alex's parents, Alex's mum and stepdad, 
were selling their family home in a lovely little village, okay? Uh, Bill, her stepdad, said to me, will you do it for me? Will you sell it for me? <clears throat> Under iMove, because that's all we had at the time. So, of course, you say, yes, don't need to help out your in-laws. So we marketed their house in this lovely Cheshire village under our cheapest chips Blackpool company initially. <clears throat> Throughout the course of that sale, I was doing viewings with people who had a million quid house around the corner with an equestrian unit and a 1.5 million. And I was thinking, I need to, what am I doing? <clears throat> I should be here. You hadn't doing thought this. at the time hadn't that you wanted to about it the at move that yet. point. No, I was commuting back to Blackpool two days a week. Okay. Had a team in iMove. <clears throat> and it became clear that I should be doing it in Cheshire. Did you enjoy doing that type of property loved in it. Cheshire? I've always loved the nicer houses. And uh, <clears throat> it was at that point that we thought, let's start stories. So within the, within the time frame of that sale going through... Had, was, the, was iMove still on the market at this point? Yes. It was on the market. But Do you mean iMove the business? Yes. No, because I'd sold that to my mate. It didn't go on the market. Right. But what, what was your plan to go to Cheshire for? Just for a change of life, lifestyle. Yeah, but what about a job? What was well, I, I, well, iMove had staff in and I was commuting two days a week. All oh, right. Okay, so you hadn't agreed to sell it to your mate at this point. Uh, it was around that sort of time. Yeah. Did but the when we moved to Cheshire, I hadn't agreed to sell iMove. Right. You, the plan was is to keep iMovie, iMovie, yeah. iMove at arm's length. Yeah. Work two days a week there. Yeah. And, and just enjoy life. Yeah. Near Alex's parents yeah. and sisters. Yeah. Basically, but, yeah. But when you realised by selling the, the, your stepfather's and, and uh, mother-in-law's house, you decided, actually, why don't I start my own bloody estate agency? Put I'm yeah. on the market. Yeah. No, you didn't put it on. You sold it to your mate yeah. and you started Story Estates, which yeah. now is Stories. Yeah. So we had, we, had, we had Alex's parents' house on the market with iMove. Yes. And throughout the sale time, 10 weeks, we, we, we set up Stories, got the branding going, got a right of account, got a website, and launched her parents' house on right move with stories as under offer. So that got me local buyers under stories. So it got me my first couple of vowels in the area. And as well as that, Chris, to expand, I had, I had what Perry had taught me as well. And, and Chris Kiriakou, I always think of Chris when I think of fees because he, he said to me, you might as well charge 2% rather than 1.25 because it shows you different and it asks them a question, it gets the owner to ask why you're so much more expensive. So Chris and Perry. So I st we started stories with Perry, with the knowledge that Perry had given what, me. What did Perry actually teach you? And I want you to encapsulate it in as few words as possible. He gave me the mindset to know what I'm worth and charge more accordingly and structure, a new side that I'd never seen to a state agency before. Because I wasn't, I had never worked in corporate. So I a lot of people have been trained by the corporates. So I've never had that training of any sort at all. I've never been trained at all. I've just given it a go. <clears throat> but Perry gave me structure and mindset belief. So from the start of stories, we, we were selective as to what we sold. So we turned away loads at the bottom end in the early days. Interesting that you said turn away an awful lot. And you said about 10 minutes ago that you, you, when, you started, um, when you started St. Anne's, you didn't market segment yourself. No. Do you think that was fundamental to stories being what an important key that you were focusing on just one type of market, which in your case was upper quartile? Categorically. It wasn't quite upper quartile. It was sort of 500 and up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
So yes, it was key. But but I had the income from iMove to allow me to not need to make any money out of stories at the start. Didn't need to make any money from stories. What else did you learn from your other businesses that made stories a success? You've mentioned Perry Power, you mentioned Chris Kiriakou, charging a different fee, focusing on a particular segment of the market. What else? Not needing a shop. So we ran iMove from a little office that you couldn't, you wouldn't know where it was. So I think that uh, also has been critical to our success has been not having a shop, a shop front, because it ties you to a geographical location. Uh, where we operate in particular, we're a string of villages. So if I was in the middle of a town and I wanted to dominate that town, I probably would have a shop. But for us, wanting to cover a wider area of nice affluent villages, I didn't want a shop in any one of those villages because it would tie me to that area. And preclude you from getting stuff and in other villages. Yeah. So not having a shop was key. And then uh, I think that's probably all really, being selective, charging what you're worth being amazing at the marketing and not being tied to an area. Interesting you say uh, you've got good at marketing. It's obvious that you have influences from Sam Ashdown. What, what, what has Sam and, yeah. and Phil done with, with you and your marketing? So I, I would have come on to talk about Sam because I didn't really meet Sam until uh, COVID year, 2020. So I've always had an, an eye for marketing house as well, how to stage the room, where to put the camera, all those sorts of things. From stories, uh, uh, stories from the start, we've only ever used a pro photographer and we've done a video for every single house. We'll come on to talk about your use of video in a second. So that was key to the growth. And then in 2020, Sam, obviously during COVID, we were all twiddling our thumbs to some degree when we sat at home and Sam and Phil started pumping out content uh, around their Firewave product, and that got me interested. Uh, and then I learned, I've learned a lot from them in terms of going even deeper on the styling and the staging of each rooms, bespoke brochures, twilight photography, all those sorts of things that we've added on since in the last two years, three years. Being an estate agent and, and subscribing to the Firewave package that, 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 that Sam and Phil offer, it's not cheap. Is it worth the money? Well, there's, there's been different levels of package. So initially it was Firewave, which was the blogs and the letters that they send out. Which are very good, by the way. Oh, they're very good, yeah. We've got into some amazing houses because of those letters. And then Ignite, I might be slightly wrong here, but I'm sure Ignite was a digital side. Uh, so tip graphics for social and that sort of thing. Yeah. So that wasn't... I mean, it wasn't ridiculously expensive, a few hundred quid a month. Yep. I felt it was quite good value for what you got. Uh, they then changed recently because they're doing the mastermind, which is a different thing. That, that's, that's into the four figures. Yes. Is that worth it? I think, I think it has been worth it for me, yes, because we've had a coach, uh, a monthly coach, and uh, the coach for the top level of the mastermind, which is the one that we joined, was Sarah Edmondson. I think Sarah's brilliant. Exceptional. Yeah, she's really good. Plus, she used to work for Finding Country, so she's upper quartile. She knows a lot about that. She used to work in Tarpley, which is one of the areas we want to grow in this year. So, so I think it has been worth it. Yeah, Sarah's been very, very good. And the content that you get from AJ, I think the way they structure their business and because we're trying to target the higher end has been very good for us. So you'd three recommend it? I would recommend it, yeah. But there's different levels, so pick your level because there's three. Um, boys and girls, I... Uh... 
I've got quite a few clients that, that use them, especially those in the upper quartile, and uh, do check them out. Um, I do rate them. But again, like most things, you have to apply their teachings. There's pl I know there's plenty of people out there who, not only just with them, but with others, you know, pay for the teachings, but don't actually apply them. No, you've got to implement. It's the same with anything. I'd like to talk to you about video in your, in your estate agency marketing. Um, Good. <laughs> well, your, your property tour videos, if you don't mind me saying, are in the top three of UK estate agency. Thank you. How did you initially get over the fear of, of appearing in them? I don't think I ever had any fear, Chris. Right. Uh, I, which I don't want to sound like a no. wanker, but I don't think I ever have ever really have, had any fear. So, so at school, I would happily have, and I did, stand up on stage and sing, uh, you know, nursery rhymes in school to as part of the play. I never really had much fear doing that, <clears throat> which helped. What was instrumental was your course with the lads that I did uh, eight years ago. And I realised you're not here fishing for compliments. Well, but, we hardly do that course. Well, so. there you go. But, but that, is, that was instrumental. Uh, and it, it was that that really opened my eyes up to, to, uh, to video and to the power of video. And of course, that was way before we started doing video tours. Because we didn't start doing video tours till 2019. Mm. I came on your course, 2015. It's interesting, though. You started off earlier using what we call the digital mayor technique. Yes. Where you, digital lo uh, means online, mayor, local, important person with chain round neck, where you were interviewing people. And if you don't mind me saying, you were pretty good at it. Yes. Okay. Thank you. But if you don't mind me saying, although recently I know you've changed, kind of lost the track on that one. Why yes. is that? So we did the Cheshire TV show with you guys uh, and the lads, and it was fantastic. We, we, that was at the point when we, the, the business was very, very young. We had, the, we had the income from iMove, so I didn't need to be, you know, stories didn't need to bring me an income. So it grew very slowly at the start because I was selective and turning these properties away. So I had time to devote two full days a week to uh, coming here to do the, the studio stuff and to do on, on you know, uh, what's the word, on-site stuff up in Cheshire. Uh, and that went very well. And then we got busy. Mm -hmm. Classic. So we stopped doing it. Uh, and we, I've been busy, as most agents have, up until sort of last October. <laughs> A lot of people... However, just to interrupt, Chris, in COVID year, I did... And this was, it was Sam Ashdown who gave me the idea. <clears throat> in COVID, I did lockdown, lowdown videos on Facebook every day. So for six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it was in, in the first lockdown of COVID, I did a Facebook interview with a local business every day. I think I did 60 interviews and that was the best thing I ever did. When, when the market opened up again in May, we just went through the roof because everyone knew me. Everyone knew who we were but in the local area. Okay. And then we stopped doing it again. Because <laughs> that, that's the challenge is, is doing video with this sort of content is, is A, it's actually getting it started and mm -hmm. getting over your fear. Which, But then the other one is, and I've seen a number of agents fall foul of this one, they get busy and the first thing that gets dropped is the video. Yes. The problem is, is that you wait, the, 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 it drops and you start doing them again, but... It takes ages it takes, to get back up, of course. I know you've started, we're filming this in early 23. What has changed in your business that allows you to start doing these things again? And what are you going to do to ensure that you keep going with this? So uh, what's allowed me to do it is that for the first time ever in being self-employed, I've now got the right team in stories. 
and the right and the right structure to the team, which which is which is just very very literally in the last month, it's freed me up. That's a real challenge: is getting the right team. What have you learnt, and what can you share with the boys and girls out there in the state agency land? I, I'm sure part of the reason we've got such a good team is just because we've been fortunate that the right people have walked in the door. Yes. But there's an element of that. But also, uh, since we started Stories, locally to where we, to where we cover, we've, we've created a real sort of nice buzz and feeling on social media of our company. A following, a tribe. A, a following. Uh, and people, I think people respect what we do and like us. And that helps us to attract so, so people. Almost, you, that the content you're chucking out has, create, has self-selected people to come and say, I'd love to work for I you. I think so, yeah. Which is almost a Bertie bonus, isn't it? It is, yeah. And that's not why I did it, but it has done that. We've employed two people now who ha whose houses we've sold. We sold their house and they've come to work for us. Vicky is full-time, sold her house. The first member of the team who we recruited was Aidan, who has been fantastic. Uh, it's such a good work ethic, very, very organised. But the structure, of our, the structure of our team, I think, is quite different to a lot of other estate agents. What does that structure so look like? So we don't have negs, we don't have negs and valuers, and we do, but they're not called negs and valuers. So the structure of the team is Aidan is operations manager. What does he do? So Aidan takes care of all the initial client setup. So we get instructions on the house today. Aidan then takes over. So Aidan will send out terms do all the AML checks, booking the photos, the brochure, the copyright of the uh, video, arrange all the appointments with the clients. Because you're shit at admin, aren't you? Because I'm awful at admin. So Aidan takes care of basically all of that. <clears throat> Up until recently, Aidan has also been doing the property styling because he's got an eye, he's just got a natural eye for styling property. So he's been doing that. Now Vicky does most of that. So Aidan runs the operation side. So as well as that, Aidan also runs any projects that we have ongoing, such as uh, we've recently launched a new website, uh, sales brochures. Uh, we're looking at doing more, or we've just started a podcast, Digital Mayor. So Aiden does it mostly what, operationally. What's, what's going to, I know you're not launching it for a couple of months, but what's the podcast going to be called? So it's, people can follow uh, The Northridge Podcast and the Tarpley Podcast. Top tip there for you, boys and girls. <laughs> name it after the town you're in, not, not the name of your agency. <laughs> uh, I do listen to you, Chris. Fantastic. So Aiden Operations, and I'm, I'm going to involve Aiden more now going forward in the financial management of the company as well. Okay. Uh, Phil was on our next uh, member of the team. And Phil came in, basically Phil's role was a neg, okay? But I don't want to pay people for individual sales because I think it uh, pay people commission for individual sales. I think it's, it creates the wrong result for the client. So the, uh, Phil's role is, I've taught Phil how to negotiate as well, but Phil has a real passion for getting every last cent for the client, not just flogging the house. Uh, and then very recently, Phil has also grown into listing. Phil is doing listing now, everything under 900 grand. And he's going out getting 2%. And he's 26. Was he 27? Young lad. Really must, good. Must be chuffed with that. I'm so chuffed with that. Yeah, I'm so proud of him. Okay. Uh, I couldn't run it without Aiden. Those two are key. Yep. Then Vicky joined us. So Vicky, it's a house we sold. And Vicky uh, is... I think I want to rebrand her to Chief Happiness Officer mm -hmm. because Vicky is amazing with people. So she will, within the first 
three minutes of a phone call, she'll know where they went on holiday, what the dog's called, how old the kids are, where they went to school, <clears throat> all those sorts of things. Vicky goes out hand-delivering our pre-listing packs. So we hand-deliver one every evaluation. She goes, knocks on the door, says hello. She gets invited in for coffees. Uh, she's really good in the office with the team at, at sort of keeping everyone's spirits up and she's really good as Vic. Okay. So that side of it has allowed me to be a bit more free in the last few weeks be because they're all doing their job really well. Because you're obviously good at doing that digital mayor, talking to people, building yeah. relationships. You just never had the time. No. Did you fear losing control of the business by giving all this oh, away? Oh, yeah, massively, yeah. I could have done what we're doing now much earlier. Is it Was the problem you and not letting go? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm the blocker to the growth. I have been up until okay. now. So when did, you, when did the penny drop that you had to let go? It, it's dropped gradually over the course of the last six months. Because, How, what, what was well, it? Because the team have because the team was doing so well in their roles, okay. it's made me realise that I can. Do you think in hindsight you should have realised this yourself and action this years ago? Oh yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and what advice would you give to people watching or listening to this on how to let them go, uh, to let go of the, the, the reins and get I think I think looking back, what I would probably just say is that you've just got to do it because you can't grow without having the team in place. But surely they're not going to do the job as well as you, are No, they? well, Phil, I was speaking to Phil Jones about this recently, and he was saying to me that obviously they're growing AJ up there, and <clears throat> that, it, that it's unlikely that your team are going to get the same conversion rate as you, that they're going to work as hard as you, that they're going to be up at 5 a.m. on a Sunday. That's not, probably not going to happen, but to grow, you've no other way of doing it. You've got to have people going out doing what you're doing. It's just having the right people. Something else I've learned, recently is we hired a girl uh, back end of last year. She was absolutely lovely, really lovely, really lovely kid. She was, she was 20 years old. She definitely had the potential to be a really good neg in a, in a traditional sort of estate agency. But I let, I let her go in December because I didn't feel she fitted what we were looking for. And I think it's things like that that I've learnt is to, you've, you know, if the people have not got the right bums in the right seats, you need to, you need to stop it as quick as you can. So that's right. a, big, a big lesson to learn is, is if, it, if you haven't got the right person in the right hole, yeah. then, then move them on, then don't move wait. move them on as quick as you can during the probation while it's straightforward. And it's fair to them okay. as well. I've carried so, too many people in the past. So hire fast and... And, and fire fast, fast, yeah. Faster. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and faster. And don't carry average people. I've done that too much in the past. Not that I'm saying this girl was average, because I think she could be, I think she probably be really good. But if they're not right fit for your culture, I think you need to move on. What does Alex bring to the party, your wife, to you and the business? Detail. Uh, she's got an amazing memory. And she's very kind. She's lovely, isn't she? She is. Yeah. And I couldn't do it without her because we have two children. We're in early 2023. You've committed to doing a podcast and doing more local marketing, which you know works. What else are you committing to? I mean, we're, we're about to probably enter a tough market. Mm -hmm. Are you looking forward to that? Yeah, because I, yes and no is the honest answer. Okay. So yes, <clears throat> because when we started Stories, very end of 2018, early 2019, <clears throat> we, we shone because we were better than the competition. So we were better at communication, we were better at marketing, 
we were better at negotiating. So we shone. And I think we will shine again now going into a harder market because agents will, you know, batten down the hatches. We all know what happens in a harder market. They'll go quieter. We'll go, we'll go louder. So, yes, I'm looking forward to it because of that. I think any agent would lie if they said they weren't going to miss the last two and a half years to some degree because it's been so amazing, hasn't it? And what, and what are you going to do to not fall into the trap that many agents do if it is a tough market of basically pulling everything in? So, well, what I'm going to do is what I'm doing now. So I've got the team now. So having the team was key because I, I now feel like I can spend more time on the growth rather than on the maintenance of the, of the company. Uh, we're recruiting... Uh, next week, we have a full-time creative lady starting to work for us. So she's going to be nothing to do with the agency. She's only on creative. So she'll be doing our brochures, our social, anything we do that's creative. She'll be doing video, behind the scenes on photo shoots, all that sort of stuff. And we're probably going to recruit someone else full-time as well. So what I'm getting at is we're going to, uh, we're going to try and grow the team, even in a, we are going to grow the team, even in a market that's going to contract. So we have, a very good, we have a very good profit margin. So I'm comfortable that uh, that profit margin will probably shrink a bit this year, maybe next year, while we're in the growth phase. And where do you, where do you see stories wanting to be in the market in the next three or four years? So the next area we want to take market share in is Tarpoli. So we, we, we're now the... So we've only been going for three years, but we have, we have market share for... Uh, properties above half a million in the Northwich postcodes. And I want to do the same in Tarpley next. And then the next is going to be South Warrington, which is a lovely belt of villages there. And then we'll see. I don't want to grow huge. If you had your time again, what would you do differently? I would get trained properly from the start or try and work for a company who, who've trained you in how to do the job. Have you had any regrets so far? I think the answer has to be no, because I wouldn't be, I might not be sat here today. And I've learned an awful lot by giving it a go and doing it wrong. Gary Vaynerchuk says that, doesn't he? You can't have a regret because if I'd have made a different decision, I may have been hit run over by a bus that afternoon. Ian Story. Thank you for your insightful story today. Thanks, Chris. And uh, I wish you well in the future. Thank you, mate. You too. Thank you.